0: give you a show like you have never ever seen before why because I can't is like a pit bull- wrestling Matt podcast we are back as aerosmith would say back in the saddle again and it's the maddie daddy but i'm not the only matt here it is the Matt man it is mr matt kelly how we doing baby
1: oh good buddy just sitting here ready to talk wrestling on a checks the phone uh thursday morning uh not, not what i was expecting for my thursday morning and i've been sitting In front of this microphone, I was just uh, on it with our good buddy, Clayton Stoneburner. He and I recorded our podcast, The Pickers End Fantasy Football Podcast, late last night. So I literally did that, went to bed, got up, did some laundry, and here I am, ready to talk wrestling with you, man. So it just, the grind never stops, my dude. Won't stop,
0: don't stop. Shout out to our boy, Burner. Dude, dude, dude. Guys, we have a big show today. We have the boyhood dream. We have the show stopper the icon. We have the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. We're going to be reviewing 96 to 98. Matt, tell me, baby, what are your early thoughts? Because we're not going to cover really what happened up till 96. He was in the rockers, kind of finding his way as an IC wrestler, things like that. Tell us kind of your early impressions of Shawn Michaels when you started watching wrestling.
1: First off, when you asked me to do this last night, or we were talking about it, maybe not last night, but the day before, something like that. And uh, I, I was looking at Shawn Michaels, and I was, you know, you told me before we started the pot today, you're like, man, I just have like this really specific photographic memory of this timeline and Shawn Michaels and how it went match by match. My first thought was, how close was this to WrestleMania 25? And it turns out not fucking close at all. (laughs) Uh, But that kind of just speaks more to the longevity of of how great Shawn Michaels was for so long. Uh, But no, man, Shawn Michaels was uh, certainly interesting in this time frame. And you could see him starting to build. uh, Like you said, once he broke away uh, from the Rockers and started doing his solo thing, he just oozed the charisma. You got him paired up. Uh, with Diesel and it's just like everyone that he starts connecting with and it's kind of like the early days um a little bit of the rock you know when he was with the nation you could tell Rocky was just that kind of he was going to be that breakout sort of star and you could tell that Michaels had that same sort of potential he just like he wasn't having bad matches he had the stuff on the mic and he just basically needed uh the rocket ship attached to him and he eventually obviously gets it uh but Shawn Michaels clearly was a player from very early on for me
0: To me, my, like, I remember the Hogan days, the warrior, the savage. And then you kind of take this break. And I remember kind of coming into my own, back into wrestling. I'm seeing Diesel. I'm seeing Bret Hart, Yokozuna. And I'm seeing Shawn Michaels just kind of, like you said, ooze the charisma, have good matches with everybody. And he's just kind of got this swagger to him. And so early stages, I was hooked. I was like, I love this guy. And then as we'll go, I'll kind of talk about his heel turn. And as a kid, I'm like, I hate this guy. <laughs> but it's because he was so damn good. So, so let's get to go so ahead.
1: What, what got you into Sean though? Because I've heard you say before, and you and you kind of you kind of said it there just in your opening a little bit. What what kind of gave the extra for you to be uh into Shawn Michaels because you were more the ultimate warrior, the whole right. hogan the the bigger, yeah, the bigger sort of guys uh sean is you know quite quite a bit away from that he's more of the he's a little bit bigger i guess than daniel bryan uh, right. but he's just not an overly big imposing sort of force
0: i think it was the charisma and the confidence maybe just being cocky i'm not sure True, exactly fair. maybe it was <laughs> oh there it is i am good i'm just back Dude, um, it, it's a weird thing. Maybe it was tuning up the band, the Sweet Chin Music. Sure, sure. I think sure. that's one of the most luring, you know, that where he's skinning the cat on the ropes, things like that just kind of, I guess it stuck with me. And so to me, I just, you see Bret Hart, and, and I love Bret as a in-the-ring match, but as far as personality coming out to the ring, I just feel like Shawn Michaels did it all. As a coming into my own teenager, I probably thought it was pretty funny, you know. He's a ladies' man.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, for temple. sure.
0: So, a lot to uncover there, but let's start with the Boyhood Dream man, 96. It's kind of cool to go back and look at this, and we have, like, a face Sean, and it turns into this heel Sean, and then it's gone. So, face Sean, we've got Royal Rumble, wins the Rumble, 96, last eliminates Diesel. Like you've kind of mentioned, they had this kind of relationship, bodyguard, whatnot, And you kind of see Diesel taking a heel turn here, but still cool with HBK. HB Kizzle, we lead up to this Iron Man match. You have Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. If you haven't, go back and listen to the Wrestling Mat podcast. We covered this Iron Man match in detail with our good buddy, CJ Krause. The luchador that makes you want more. Early stages, Iron Man match, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Why was this such a good clash of styles?
1: It's just one of those things that you can't really necessarily explain it in terms of, uh, of in-ring styles. It's just one of those where they're just made for each other in ring, despite what their differences may be outside of the ring and how different their personalities are, which you drew that up uh, nicely. You know, Brett, Brett is kind of Brett, whether he's in the ring or not, honestly, the more that I think about Brett Hardy, he's not all that different from what you see on TV versus kind of how he is today. Um, And that's obviously very, very different from Shawn Michaels. So that contrast right there uh, chalks up a good matchup. But then you talk about in the ring, these are two performers that just really didn't have bad in-ring moments and matches. Um, You know, Shawn is always very, very fluid. Brett always, you know, sells pretty well. Um, and so when you get them together in that sort of heated feud, and it was at that point where if you're watching it, you're like, man, are these guys actually, do they actually really freaking hate each other? And you could kind of feel that, uh, coming through at times. I think there was, I can't remember exactly what it was, if it was A and E or something else that I watched with Bret Hart, but just him talking about the tensions at that time and not really caring, uh, for, uh, for Sean and for Hunter and that sort of thing, and so, you know, I I think a lot of times you hear that the best uh the best on-screen things come from real life uh sort of scenarios and so you could kind of get those vibes as well from those two, but it, you know, it's it's Charlotte and Sasha Banks, it's it's Triple H and The Undertaker, it's uh you know, The Rock and Hogan, it's like just opponents that were sort of made for each other in ring. You kind of put that in this uh in that same category.
0: Yeah, it's just crazy how you can hate each other's guts and then still go out there and put a five star match in. And they're they're polar opposites. I mean, they're both alphas to a point because they are right, the right. That, yeah. But then they just they just I I feel like I've ran into this. When you have somebody who's too similar, you almost I would say similar to a, you know, a controlling aspect, things like that. You clash, you butt heads. It's just Wanting to be the top on of your game. So let's talk, because we you mentioned Triple H. You mentioned kind of the surroundings. I mentioned Diesel, the bodyguard. We have the click. We have the curtain call. A big thing in wrestling was kayfabe. You didn't mix the good guys with the bad guys. And when you didn't wrestle, you were still a bad guy. If you are at the airport, if I ran into Matt Kelly, you're not signing autographs for kids. You're a heel man. So what was your, so being, let's bring it back to an old school perspective before this revolutionized of wrestling where Everything's interchangeable. He will face, what's your thoughts on the curtain call and what they did to kind of break kayfabe.
1: I mean, certainly from today's vantage point and everything that we have behind the scenes going on with either WWE network or talent dropping, uh you know things and interviews that they did or you know what made these decisions or why this was worked into their you know their wrestling gear or you know what they felt during this promo or this line I mean there's just so much that actually is revealed today and I mean I do like that aspect to a point but for this particular moment I mean we were still dialing the the WCW hotline. You know what right. I mean? Like the, this was that sort of time frame, and you know all this information. At least for me, as a kid growing up, uh, was not as prevalent on the internet. Maybe it was, and I just didn't know how to access it as a child. But um, yeah, I mean it's 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 very very different when you learn about stuff like that. And I and to your point, you know, you go to uh, you go to an airport and you see somebody that's like a bad guy on TV. You don't know any better and you make that connection, I would, you know, as a kid, I would have been like, I'm not even going to try that, you know? (laughs) Um, So to, to, to come out and then see something like this, you're like, Oh, okay. Um, You know, and it's just looking back, it's completely fine. Like it really is. And I think maybe to an extent that opened the doors to a a lot of the stuff that we get to see today, whether it's, you know, the set downs with stone cold or the WWE 24s that get documented and things like that. I love all the, behind the scenes details, uh sort of stuff that we've been able to learn. So maybe that kicked that door open a little bit. What an evolution of wrestling.
0: Like to go from just good guys, bad guys, to tweeners to behind the scenes. But like you said, it's all badass. This is all things as a young child, I wanted to know. I just didn't know. I wasn't smarted up to the business. Great stuff here. Let's keep it going though. Let's talk Camp Cornet. This is what when I thought of this summer. I was like all right how we go we transition from HBK Bret Hart of course he Diesel does the job for him before he goes and signs with WCW so you can kind of see Shawn Michaels this pin up aggression even as champion he's kind of got this cockiness almost like this anger where he's like you know it's you versus the world you see it when he's when he when Diesel's out of there he's giving Diesel the finger all this different stuff. So then we get to the British Bulldog, who was another body guy, like we've talked about. I really liked as a kid. I thought this guy could, he was a body guy. Yeah, he was a a good old boy in black. Um, But you see kind of a different style of WWF. You see sexual harassment brought into the storyline with Bulldog's wife, Diana Smith. And this puts together a couple matches at King of the Ring, Beware of Dog, where they're kind of feuding. This is kind of your transition into Vader. So Bulldog, guys, real quick, kind of rapid fire. Do you think he ever had it as a main event guy, or do you think he was just better as that strong mid-card talent?
1: Yeah, that, that's a tough one. Um, and obviously, we're never, ever going to get to find out. But, oh, man, uh, maybe in the right circumstance, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of when... Um, of when Ryback got really hot there uh for a while and they just never ever really pulled the trigger with him uh it it just kind of reminds me of that particular scenario uh not that they were similar in wrestlers or styles or anything like that but it just it kind of reminds me of that particular uh moment and then just to touch on real quick storyline wise (laughs) there is uh you know there there is an account out there uh, on on TikTok of all places that's like, hey, do you remember this happening in WWE? Um, and it is uh, WWE got away with some uh, some pretty pretty uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, they were pushing the line. They were blurring the lines with uh, w- with a lot of content and a lot of boundaries and things that you wouldn't necessarily bring up, and that are okay today. Hence the you know the sexual harassment and playing into that. That's not something that you really want to have play out on television like that. So um, yeah, interesting times, different times. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be done today. Um, right. But you look at it and what it meant to you know that faction that you know of course it's Cornette um so good but uh yeah man it was it's just one of those things where it's just you, you got to look at it for what it was at the time and understand that you can't compare it to where the line has been moved today
0: i think bulldog's that like perfect transitional piece like you're going in between feuds say like the bret hart and the vader feud you you You've seen it with Owen Hart a lot. Owen's kind of your your warm-up to Bret Hart.
1: So, like, or the just, guy to go through to get to the championship.
0: Yes, it's, he's that perfect, perfect mix of, like, Camp Cornette. Because you have Owen Hart, you have Bulldog. They're great tag team champs, great IC-style mid-card talent. You don't necessarily need them in the main event. It's not like a Daniel Bryan where they just have this rise of, you know, swell. Now, granted, Bulldog in 92, Wembley Stadium, when he beat Bret Hart for the IC title. Right, right. Now, that's a different phase. That's a little bit more, you're getting your more gassed up Bulldog. 92 is more of a big body era. I think it could have worked. But 96, I think it's already too past his prime.
1: Well, that's kind of what I'm saying, though. When I go back to Ryback, you know, there is that window of time to sort of capitalize on a talent like that. And when it doesn't get capitalized on – then that just, you know, fans kind of put it by the wayside and they don't go back in that direction, which is, you know, in a completely different, uh, uh, style and body type. Kofi Kingston was that forever. He was that, he was that kind of transitional, like, Oh, you go like Kofi Kingston would always be in like the fatal four ways or the five ways or something like that. And he would be the one to like take the pen. And so forever, you don't see Kofi Kingston as a player. And amazingly, you know, late into his career here, he got that push and has been champion and whatnot. But, kind it just kind of the same thing you have such a finite window a lot of times in professional wrestling to make x happen and to to capitalize on it and they just never really did it with him he kind of got stuck in that role that you're talking about there
0: absolutely so let's transition into vader it's time it's time it's vader time 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 we're talking about a guy from new japan from wcw your early 90s this guy was a main event guy going up against hogan Blair, all sorts of hype, whatnot, and this is kind of when you see Nash and Hall of League for WCW, and you get Vader brought in. This is their big site. This is their main event start. They bring in Matt slotted to go up against you know HBK at SummerSlam. They kind of have that beef. I think it's international incident where you've got Warrior Ahmed Johnson and Sean versus Cam Cornette, and of course you get Warrior being a, a puss. So he kind of chickens out, does his whole shit. So Psycho Sid gets brought into the, the party. So funny, we'll go to Psycho Sid later, but he wasn't even supposed to be part of this storyline. Um, but we get Vader Man, and by all accounts, we're getting hyped up for SummerSlam, this big match, this big what should be trilogy of matches from creative. But Vader's lazy. He's not washing his singlet, right? He's kind of a prima Donna. He's got a shoulder injury that they didn't know about when they signed him. He has to take time off to recover things like that. So we're getting Shawn Michaels who you've already seen kind of an attitude a cockiness. And now he's slated for the primetime pay-per-view against Vader. You've got Vader, Shawn Michaels, and you have the shit show that happens. Um, Go back, you watch this match. You see Shawn Michaels go for an elbow drop. Vader's supposed to move. He doesn't. He jumps off the top rope onto his feet, says, get up, get up, you mother trucker, stomps him in the face, punches him. And they, you've heard accounts, Cornette saying that Vader Leon was crying backstage after this happened because he was just so like devastated because of Shawn Michaels' actions. But Shawn Michaels is a champ, do you take this more on Shawn Michaels not being professional or just kind of in a SummerSlam match like this? You have to show out, show up, show out. What are your thoughts on how this kind of transpired?
1: Yeah, it's hard, man. Uh, it, it's, it's hard when you feel like you're on on the precipice of the next level and you're supposed to have this performance and then it doesn't go the way that it's supposed to go. And then it's, you know, it's live. You can't cut it. You can't fix it. Like it just is what it is out there in front of everyone. So um, certainly understand the frustrations and the tensions. Do I agree with it? Not really. Um, But then again, you've heard Sean say there's a lot of things in my early career that, you know, I I was I was a bit of a jackass about a lot of things. I don't know if he's necessarily owning that particular (laughs) moment, but I'm sure if he would go back, you know, he would probably handle it um, a a little bit differently. So it, it it is definitely difficult. You see moments like that even still today, and you see you know announcers try to cover it up, and you know the most recent thing that I can really think of. Uh, that I've seen that is is of similarity, not in, in in the reaction portion, especially in the ring, but just like how upsetting it was to another performer that it happened that way was uh, Goldberg and uh, Taker over in Saudi, right? You know, there was supposed to be that match, and in fact, uh, in fact, Sean and Sean and Hunter against uh, Taker and Kane. That was another one where yeah, that that, that sure. match really, really went awry um and was just bad from the get-go in the ring but you know uh just going back to taker and bill for a second that was a match where you know all of this stuff was supposed to happen i mean taker damn near he's lucky to be alive at this point but um you know it's one of those situations where as soon as the pin happened you just saw kind of the disgust uh on, on taker's face and how upset he was which is crazy to think about seeing taker break character on camera for anything you know um so i think I, I think there just are those moments uh whether it be for michaels or taker whoever you know something happens in the ring and you react to it um again not excusing it for sean necessarily right. but uh but like i understand the frustration in that moment when you're You know, looking to highlight and move on an upward uh, trajectory in your career.
0: Well, that's the thing. Vader comes in, you're out of shape, you're lazy, you're not washing your singlet. You have to wear this singlet five, six days a week. Throw it in the washer, man. There's no excuse. You're one of the highest paid athletes on the roster at the time. There was just a lot of check boxes that shouldn't have been checked with Vader. So that's on for another story. As big of a character and just badass. I thought we were getting with Vader. Just failed literally miserably in the WWF. But let's talk about a guy who didn't fail miserably. He, <laughs> mankind. We get our first taste of kind of the early stages of hardcore. We go literally, they're in Philly, ECW crowd. They played this 2 You get uh mind games you get mankind who's coming off white hot kicking undertaker's ass in a boiler room brawl things like that still kind of feuding but he gets this world title shot what two months three months into the company against the heartbreak kid but somehow it just really gels kind of fill us in on some ideas and thoughts from this
1: match uh mankind was a crazy son bitch um <laughs> like get
0: ready for your nascar i heard that so big uh,
1: yeah uh, yeah man i i you know i i have like uh distant memories i guess more so of uh of mankind for a while but then you go back and you watch it on the network and you're like oh man man mankind was he was definitely an out there uh sort of character more so than uh certainly than cactus jack and well cactus jack had his own right but Uh, than dude love but um, yeah man it's like you're saying you know you take this supreme athlete and Shawn Michaels kind of at his peak and then you know I don't think Nick Foley is going to fight anyone and telling you that he was not a supreme athlete at any point throughout his career he was just uh, you know kind of the crazy guy that would put his body uh, through whatever with whoever he was in the ring with I think that's the great thing that you can say about Mick is that there was nobody. I mean, we're grant you were talking about Sean Michaels, right? But there was nobody or no match that wasn't, uh, important enough for Mick to go out there and do his job and make that person look good. Um, and so that I think again, is just why that pairing works out so well between the two there.
0: When you see some spots during the match, you see where Shawn Michaels, Take, tears up, or I think it's Mankind, tears up the uh, the pad that's on the concrete. Right, the right, ride. yeah. Anyway, Shawn Michaels gets advantage, puts Mankind under the pad, and starts jumping on him. Little things like that. You see a, I guess it would be an early RVD move where he takes the chair, Shawn Michaels does. He steps in one chair, and then he hits uh, Mankind with a almost like a cross lariat kick or whatnot.
1: Oh, okay. kind of the, the what is it, the bandaminator yeah. or whatever? I think yeah. so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just kind of cool though. You're seeing you're seeing chair shots. You're seeing w- ripping up the ring. Different things. Uh, of course, Shawn Michaels return retains with the help from the Undertaker. But we've still got to face Shawn Michaels. We've we've seen kind of it starting to evolve. Now we get Psycho Sid, a guy who literally wasn't in the company a month before, taking kind of Vader's spot in a feud because of Vader just being not where he's supposed to be. And now you have one of my, this is another one, a body, the master, the controller of the world. I don't know shit, crybaby, just a mumbler. But your first, like, experience with Psycho Sid, Matt, because this is an intimidating mother trucker. What are your thoughts on Sid as a kid?
1: Uh, Even more than Mankind, quite honestly. Uh, I I thought Sid Vicious was just, like, horrendously uh, scary. Uh, To your point, big dude uh he was just like you know he measured up in stature in terms of height with like a Scott Hall but then he had like the thickness you know um, of just this he was just like this massive mountain of a dude and not that you needed to put the word psycho into his name he just already looked and was crazy Um, but this just speaks to you know we've talked about so far um, we've talked about Bret Hart we've talked about Camp Cornette and then uh and then mankind and psycho sid and sean's out there doing his thing with every single one of them and you look at you know the stature of sid and he gets him you know like he would press sean over his head and you're like oh sean's about to die like he's definitely about to die right here (laughs) and so uh the contrast both in body type and styles again just works for sean here
0: See, and this is where I feel like the rose kind of changed, and it eventually changed for the better because he does become a heel. But he incorporates, you've seen Jose Lothario kind of off and on Mm -hmm. throughout this stage, which I get. He's the old Houston wrestler, very well known for his career accolades for that territory, and he trained Shawn Michaels. So I get it, kind of bringing him in as your manager, and I guess that gives you more of a babyface feel. But to me, this wasn't needed. This is not what I wanted when I saw Shawn Michaels. So Jose letario real quick, what rapid fire. Do you think this was maybe a move that should have been waited? We see at Survivor Series, this kind of tells a story with some camera shots, things like that. But were you a fan of having a manager like Jose? Or do you think Shawn just didn't need a manager at all, being at that top of the card?
1: Yeah, um, that that's almost exactly what I was going to point out. It's like, it's such a... Interesting dynamic in terms of would Sean have benefited from a manager? And it's like, would Roman Reigns benefit from a manager? And then you see Paul Heyman come in and that's done wonders for, for like the current day product. Right. And did CM Punk ever really need a manager? And again, back to Paul Heyman, it kind of worked out like gold. And I think this was just the wrong fit. I don't think it's that Sean couldn't have benefited from a manager. I just think it was the wrong fit. And I think it's a place in time where, You know, WWE is known for bringing in sort of that nostalgia sort of factor and pairing up a superstar and trying to maybe give them the rub or give them a little bit of an extra to, you know, put something on top of their character. And I just don't think it was I I don't think it moved the needle uh, for Sean in this particular instance. If you go back
0: and look in like 96, 97, the amount of managers Dutch Mantel was managing Bradshaw. Honky Tonk Man was managing right, right. Billy Gunn. It was just a shit show
1: of managers. I'm sure Jimmy, I'm sure Jimmy Hart was running around somewhere, right? <laughs> Dusty Rhodes could have been running around there. Hold
0: BRS, baby. We're going to <laughs> so. NASCAR on Saturday. Run <laughs> Let's go. Um,
1: yeah, it was just, I, I just think it was the wrong fit, man. I just don't think it did anything for, uh, for Sean.
0: Well, let's transition to Survivor Series, because this is the garden, man. This is the biggest, in my opinion, the mecca of wrestling. You go to Madison Square Garden, you have the crowd. I'd say Chicago, places like that are a close second. But you see kind of the the weave, the web being weaved. We have Lothario as the manager. Sean comes out, and he gets booed out of the freaking building. As a, as a face, top of the card, he's getting booed. Sid comes out, and the crowd goes nuts. So this is kind of a turn. You're starting to see the fans kind of turn on Sean, which I can kind of see it because we don't want the just baby face good guy. Sometimes your best baby face is your best heel. So we see a camera involved. Basically, Sid uses a cameraman's camera, knocks out Jose Lethario. They pretty much fake it like he's having a heart attack. Sean goes to check on him. Sid hits him with the camera, powerbomb. Sean just lost the title at Survivor Series. Granted, this was probably supposed to be Vader's spot to win the title from Shawn Michaels to put up that rematch at the Rumble. But first thoughts here, with the heel turn, or not the heel turn, but the crowd, booing Shawn Michaels, what caused this, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of what you said, and it's a lot of what we still see I guess maybe it's, it's on a more apparent level today with just, you know, having access to the internet and whatnot, but you see it a lot today. You saw it for a long, long time with Roman Reigns before he made his turn. Uh, you saw it forever with John Cena. And I think eventually people have just embraced John Cena now for, for being a face and who he is. Um, but you do see it a lot when characters just become stale at some point, And I think that, You know, in this particular instance, people just felt like Shawn Michaels was stale. It's like you can be this great in-ring performer and you can have all these accolades and you can do all this cool shit in the ring. But if you don't evolve that character, people eventually just don't want to keep seeing, you know, the the super Cena, the super Roman, the the things of that nature. And that's kind of what we're running into uh, with Sean and people, you know, letting him know on one of the biggest stages. You know, you mentioned Madison Square Garden. And it's like, wow, really? Here? Uh, but that's that's got to tell you, it's time to go back to the drawing board and do a little something different.
0: Well, and you've got to take an effect. This is Madison Square Garden. You're getting booed. Not only that, but you have to follow up a red-hot Bret Hart just returning from his right, hiatus. Right, right. Versus Stone Cold. And they put on... Stone Cold's just starting to come into his own. This is kind of his first coming out match against Bret Hart. And they kind of steal the show for Survivor Series. And now you're in the main event. The fans are booing you. And you have to give up the strap to sit. Who you know isn't the worker that you are. But you're still... You've kind of signed up for this story. So just crazy to think, man.
1: Yeah. I mean... You kind of look at uh, at moments like this and kind of what the the incarnations that it causes for some characters running down the line i think the you know the person that you can point to that is probably better than anyone across the business in terms of just evolving their character and not becoming stale is chris jericho i mean chris jericho feels like he you know reads that situation every time he comes back grant you he's had the benefit of being able to leave and come back pretty often but nonetheless he's able to read that and transform himself pretty well. I think Seth Rollins as a modern day is someone that is continually transforming himself and not just letting himself become stale. And you hear about that all the time. It's like people would rather have some sort of reaction than no reaction at all. No reaction is certainly the worst. And it wasn't that Sean was getting no reaction, but people are just letting him know like, Hey man, it's it's time to do something different. We're with, let's move on here. We've got
0: Bret Hart and Stone Cold stealing the show here, and then we've got Shawn Michaels kind of wavering. So this kind of transitions into, like we said, a a trilogy match. You get Sid, Shawn Michaels. This is Shawn Michaels' hometown, the Alamo Dome. This is an eighty thousand fan crowd. You're expecting like just this this kind of c- crowning, and it's to me it's really kind of the end of Shawn Michaels' title run as a face because you have Stone Cold, Bret Hart, still in the show in the Rumble. You know, you see Stone Cold eliminated, comes back in the ring, eliminates Bret Hart to win it. So we've kind of seen it's been a transition. We're seeing more people are excited about who's going to take Shawn's place than Shawn Michaels in general. So I think Shawn Michaels is probably feeling this same feeling. He's like, it's January, WrestleMania is around the corner, and I'm either losing the title or I'm getting replaced by Stone Cold and Bret Hart. So a lot to consider there,
1: man. Yeah, I think it was just uh, what you're seeing there's the combination of people feeling like Shawn Michaels is stale. You have Bret Hart and uh, you know, Stone Cold on the rise, and it's just like opposite trajectories at, you know, <laughs> at one of the most important times of the year talking about the rumble. And all of a sudden I can't imagine, you know, as a performer, you're sitting there and you're seeing this going the wrong way for you. Um, it, it's gotta be tough times, not, you know, uh, it's gotta be tough times psychologically just watching that kind of occur and figuring out, okay, what do I need to do now to kind of up my game here?
0: When you got to also think, so he wins the title, Bret Hart dibs. you have Razor, Diesel, they did, they go to WCW and the rankings go through the roof. So you've got no Bret Hart. Stone Cold isn't really a character yet. So you're having to lead this team pretty much by yourself all right, summer right. with your, your other big attraction is Vader and he looks like shit. So you're literally, you're, you're playing with, I wouldn't say mid card talent, but mid card talent and Sid well, who shouldn't pe- even be there.
1: Yeah. Just people that haven't been made yet. Right. right. And so we, we kind of see, we're kind of seeing that play out live uh, with AEW. You know, there's people that just not have not been made yet. And grant you, you have this influx into aew right now and people are uh getting made and you have people that are obviously from wwe but at the same time you know they're they for for the longest time it was like it was cody kenny uh you know the bucks kind of that core four that kind of brought aew along and then chris jericho and then a lot of other people that had been in not the WWE product. So you have these big names that are kind of trying to string everyone else along and grant you that's, again, it's playing out a little bit differently as they sign people, but it's kind of the sim- uh, similar situation that we're seeing uh, with AEW right now.
0: So I have a question for you then, because yeah. I, I want to pivot to AEW for a minute. We'll, we'll keep it short, a couple minutes, but because we do have AEW that is still trying to build their own stars. Like, obviously that's the plan Overall, over time, you've got the Young Bucks, you've got Jericho, you've got some of these guys, but then you have some of these Adam Page, people like that, that are, are almost there, but you also, you're bringing in all this other talent that's already CM Punk, that's Brian Danielson. Do you worry at all that maybe this is stunning the growth of the brand in general? Because of all these high-level talents, do you feel like these high-level talents are just going to be able to take a secondary role and let a Adam Page get the build-up to win over CM Punk? Guys yeah. like Orange Cassidy, players that aren't there, but they have been on the right track. So what are your thoughts as far as growth in AEW? Because we love these talents. We love the big signings. But do you think it hurts in a way, or is it? it seems good?
1: Yeah, they're at an interesting crossroads right now. Um, I, I I've been thinking about that a lot because I want to see Brian Danielson. I want to see CM Punk. I don't, there are a few people that I don't need to see and I'm not going to take shots at them, but there are a few people that are getting, you know, opportunities in TV time that I don't necessarily need to see, but that's just me as a fan drawing the line where I want to draw the line. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting crossroads because you do have, uh, the Darby Allens, the, uh, the orange Cassie's the hangman pages and, uh, even to an extent, you know, Kenny Omega hasn't really been exposed uh, directly to a U.S. audience. Grant you, he's been the champion for a hot minute, but he hasn't, you know, necessarily been exposed uh, uh, to a U.S. audience for a long time. Um, you have guys like Adam Cole that have come over that still have a lot of gas left in the tank. That's that's the thing about some of the some of the talent that AEW is bringing in is like they're not just here for a uh, for a one off pay per view. They're not just here. Uh, for a few weeks i mean sting has been there much much longer than i thought sting was ever going to be uh in aew and i think i I was just so conditioned to okay this is you know this player is coming in for uh for an x amount of time for you know for this three or four month run or maybe it's just this one build up to this one pay-per-view and people are sticking around in aew right now so you know, they have the opportunity. I think Orange Casty is pretty, pretty over with folks right now. Hangman Page kind of in the same boat. Uh, Darby Allen been paired up with Sting. He is a, a, an ascending talent. The women's division is wide open. Uh, that That's pretty interesting to me with AEW. They don't have, uh, you know, they haven't had a lot of crossover stars from that perspective come over yet. So I think they're able to build that. I think they're able to build their tag team division. It's really just this the men's single division where they're at this crossroads right now. It's it's a fine line of having CM Punk back, having that draw, and then to your point, building your own stars so that when they're gone, you have you have room to go. You have somewhere to uh, to pivot to.
0: The one thing I will say about WWE, WWF, whatnot, and you look at it at the time, and you're like, oh, they're just burying guys. Triple H is beating everybody, but you look at it. WWF when WCW guys came over they feuded yeah they get a win on raw things like that but they unless you were booker t you didn't just get an easy win they established their own talent as almost the premium so when you have an established talent like maybe a, goldberg's not a good example but anybody else you you can have them lose because they're established already and, and they have over.
1: and they have a little bit of that today, they have the Seth Rollins, the Roman Reigns, the Charlotte Flairs, the, the Rhea Ripley's, you know, things like that. They have a lot of their own talent that is doing well and is at the top of the cart. At the same time, WWE currently has a problem where they are trying to do just simply too much with, uh, you know, with people like Karrion Cross, with Ricochet, right. uh, with people whose character they just do too much with and they try to make them something that they aren't. Uh, you know dewdrop who was Piper Nevin before in Wwe yeah. UK it's just like what what are you doing like why why are you making your audience out to be so you know so ignorant uh and, and then we saw it with uh uh Jesus Eric and Ro- or not Eric and Roland, but Eric and Ivar the uh uh the the Viking Raiders that they're now yeah. known as who used to be what war machine right and so You know, it's just sometimes they just try to do too much. And it's like, no, just I I think that that is what AEW is doing. Right. Is they're just letting people be exactly who they are.
0: Yeah. Just an interesting taste of top talent. We'll get more to the current product in future episodes. Let's keep the track on the rails. Let's talk lost his smile. So we have January. We had the rumble win. We've kind of said that starting to fall off the track. We've, we've seen it. It's February we're leading up to looks like maybe a Sean versus Brett WrestleMania match. That's what everybody said. We're kind of, Sean returns the favor to Brett, which I could see happening, especially with this trajectory because Bret Hart was hot granted that did not happen. And I think it's the best, but we have Sean coming out. He's got a knee injury. All of a sudden, I think this is more Sean just kind of deciding to pivot that maybe he needs some time away before it gets too stale. He loses his smile, which I think is genuine. I think he literally did. He was just burned out. This wasn't his road. So he forfeits the title literally a month before Mania. Thoughts on how Sean handled this?
1: Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a situation that I don't think we were accustomed to. Back in the day and listening to, uh, you know, talent from that particular standpoint, there was uh, probably a lot of times where, you know, maybe you were going through stuff and he was just kind of in his head, in his own way, right? Um, and you just didn't take breaks. You didn't take time off. And I think that's a lot more prevalent today. We've seen it with different talents. They're like, hey, I, I just need to step away, whether it's CM Punk or Sasha Banks or whoever the case may be. It's just like okay, I'm not in the right space. This isn't working. It's not good business for anyone. I shouldn't even be in the ring right now. Um, so it, it was also at the at the point where you know I've heard Jim Ross say like HBK was kind of this polarizing sort of figure, both on screen and backstage with different talents. And so maybe it was just good for for everybody involved for Sean to just kind of kind of go away for a bit, refresh. Uh, sit on it, and then, you know, come back and start new.
0: Well, I think it worked perfect. I think it, it built so many different avenues, so many different characters. This leads to WrestleMania. You get the, you know, the Bret Hart Stone Cold. You get the swerve. You get, this is basically Bret Hart's heel turn. And I think a lot of things had to be woven for this to happen. So that happens at Mania. Obviously, you get the stinker of Undertaker versus Sid, not what everybody would want to watch and not, granted, I don't even know why they put the title back on Sid. Maybe it was because that Bret Hart, Stone Cold story was so damn good. But you see Shawn Michaels make an appearance on the announced team. He's out. You can tell he's got a different swagger to him now that he's not champion. It's like the stress was relieved. He's jumping around the ring, doing backflips, things like that. Obviously, the knee issue, he didn't sell it. So... We're seeing a different Shawn Michaels kind of pop up throughout the summer. This is he's getting a little edgier. He's kind of hanging with Stone Cold. They win the tag titles here. You seeing him make kind of comments to Bret Hart, doing the Sunnier Days thing. He's getting a little more edgy, risky as far as his character. You see, you know, on screen he's wearing the short shorts. He's doing a little bit more of your boy toy, more your edgy, mooning people, things like that. So this is kind of the summer of Shawn leading up to the SummerSlam, where he does turn heel. Could you just tell a different style of Shawn Michaels, like, the pressure was relieved?
1: Yeah, and it's just one of those things, too, where it's like absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, again, he just goes away for a little bit, comes back, he's doing all this stuff now, and it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's revitalized. He's this person now. He's not, uh, you know, what we remembered. And it's like, oh, it's just good to have Shawn Michaels back. Like, oh, yeah, this guy is good. And so... Uh, You know, for all of the right reasons, it just worked.
0: Well, and that was the thing. So we've had a couple of months of Bret Hart as your heel. America hates this guy. You're getting Shawn Michaels pop in and pop out, make jokes about Bret. Teaming with Stone Cold, drinking beer with Stone Cold. He's kind of back in that flavor that everybody wants him to be. So this all leads towards you have Bret Hart as your champion going up against The Undertaker. I think it was the other way around. Maybe Undertaker was champ versus Bret Hart. It's SummerSlam, you have Shawn Michaels as the guest referee. You've seen the tension build up with Shawn and Brett. It gets to a point in the match, Bret Hart spits on Shawn Michaels, Shawn gets pissed, picks the chair up, swings it at Brett, hits Taker. Whole new avenue, whole new ball game. Next night on Raw, Shawn saying, if he ran into the undertaker he'd take care of him this is your swaggy cockiness of Shawn michaels this is the beginning of the heel turn this is the Are beginning the formation of degeneration x-man so tell me we get rick Rude as the insurance policy we we see china we see triple h your early days of Shawn michaels the heel and just kind of this heel turn were you expecting it well, where were you at at the early days of the formation of Degeneration
1: X. Well, and just real quick too, wasn't the stipulation in that match with uh, with, with Bret and uh and Taker that Shawn like had to make the three count for somebody right. or yeah, otherwise you he would be fired? Middle. Yeah, he yeah. had to call it down the middle, or he, he would have been fired. So, you know, it, it's you, you can kind of see, it, especially in hindsight, right, where that build uh, was going and how perfectly it sets up because Shawn just kind of stares down bret hart as he's making the count like knowing he has to make this three count right now and sean's like oh man i just I you, you know i just screwed myself true. basically uh into, into giving bret the title there but um early days Hill, Hill, uh he'll, he'll sort of sean you know especially if we're talking about specifically with i mean was he really like specifically Hill when dx started like because they were just they were so damn goofy you know that like nobody really hated them sort of thing but at the same time he was like he was still kind of a jerk um in a lot of instances so it's just kind of hard to draw that line and like was sean like a true hill uh especially by the standards right um, 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 right Right.
0: Right. yeah Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a completely different flavor there um. so interesting times and it, it's kind of one of those where you start to see where a hill is so entertaining that you almost can't hate him and I think Sean's a good example of that at, at this particular time
0: when you see Rick Root as a bodyguard and then you see China as a bodyguard this is something that's not been done You have a female protecting males. And for the way Shawn Michaels played this chicken shit eel. Yeah. This was perfect. And then you have an up and comer in triple H kind of as your, uh, your, your middle guy, the guy that you get to Sean. So I think it was perfect. I don't know if I really ever bought into Rick Rude as an insurance policy. It just seemed kind of weird when you see ravishing Rick Rude. I don't even go Rude in a suit.
1: Yeah. I was going to say in a suit carrying a briefcase. I mean, it doesn't, that part really didn't work. And I don't even specifically ever tie him as to being like a core member of, uh, of generation X. I know he's there in that, that first promo that Sean, uh, hits as you mentioned with with him and China standing behind uh you know him and Hunter while Brett's in the ring and they're up on the the Titan Tron and whatnot but uh yeah I, I it just doesn't ever correlate with me why why Rick Rude was you know kind of in that dynamic
0: it's funny too like when you go back and look we'll, we'll talk we'll glaze over these DX facts but it was such a short run and so impactful you get the one night stand you have the European champion Davy Boy. You know, at one point, the Hart Foundation had all the belts. That's how big of a deal this was. So we're literally going to one night stand in Birmingham, England, bloke. And you have Bulldog, who you would expect (laughs) to get the win at your hometown, everything like that. And Sean pins him for the title, thanks to DX, kind of a chicken shit heel way to win it by holding the guy's legs. But you get the crowd just go freaking nuts, throwing trash in the ring. Throwing stuff at Shawn Michaels, just a huge play out here for your new European champion, which makes Sean the Grand Slam champ, like first ever.
1: Oh, was he really the first ever?
0: First ever Grand. He had the European Intercontinental Tag World Title. Nobody had ever done that
1: before. Oh, I didn't realize he was the uh, the first ever. Yeah, that's that's quite the accomplishment. And something that you don't, you know. Um, I, I I remember. What in March, uh, when Miz won the title, just transitionally, basically, uh, you know, he he became a two-time Grand Slam champion. I don't think people realize like how big of a deal that actually is that the company trusts people enough to put the uh, you know various titles and represent them, um, you know, in that way. So yeah, that, that, that's cool. I didn't realize he was the first one there.
0: So of course, Undertaker's gotta get his vengeance back. We see some feuds with Sean and Taker. I think they end up having three matches total, ground zero, bad blood, your first ever Hell in a Cell match. Do you remember this one, Matt? This is one I remember ordering on pay-per-view, watching it, I remember the tape. This was the first time anybody ever fell off a cage. Outside the cage, he's got the handle, he gets pushed out, lands on the table. Kind of a big spot, and this is bad blood. Is the first night we see Kane's Kane, Undertaker's brother.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's got to be Kane. It's got to be Kane. Uh, yeah, man, that th- those are definitely um, definitely fond memories there. And and to your point, you know that sort of structure. You talk about Hell in the Cell. It's just such a much more imposing uh, structure to look at than just your typical cage match. I, I, I remember. Do you remember, Matty, just back in the day, like the old like blue sort of steel cage and it like it looked like you could easily climb it and get out of it. And there's like a a way to escape. And then you look at hell in the cell, which is, (laughs) you know, like every bit of 20 feet. And you're like, oh, shit, where do I go? You know, Um, and that sort of thing. It's like just such an imposing structure and match. And I know that anybody that's been a part of that, they're literally like, yeah, you're, you're definitely worse for wear coming out of that thing. It's no joke
0: just crazy to see we've get, we get this like feud with the undertaker where he's coming out dressed like the undertaker coming from the rafters. He throws off the trench coat. It's Shawn Michaels. You got triple H in China bringing out the grill, suck the cook, all that good stuff, you know, burning undertaker's trench coat. You have Shawn Michaels acting like a jackass calling undertaker out when it's a pre taped promo on live TV and go, pretty much just going into business for himself knowing Undertaker's not there. So you see these styles of, Shawn Michaels is still being Shawn Michaels. He's just so comfortable now, he's doing whatever and it's just working because he's that good. You see strip poker, you see Sergeant Slaughter, we see so, the State of the Union. We saw, you know, the Bill Clinton. I did not sleep with that woman or whatever. And yeah. you see them saying, I'm not going to say, fuck, shit, ass, puss, whatever they want, and it's bleeped out. So,
1: yeah, it's it, it's it's just the crossroads of that time and that era and what you could get away with on television and what was acceptable on television and what they were willing to put out as far as content. And I mean, you, you could, you've, just couldn't come anywhere remotely close to that on, on today's product, especially for WWE. Certainly, AEW has a little bit uh, more edge to it than WWE does these days. But yeah, you're not uh, you're not coming anywhere close to that particular set of uh, uh, of, of circumstances and content on today's TV.
0: So we kind of we just glossed over bad blood. This transitions and obviously him and Undertaker aren't champ at this point, but you're getting kind of the end of the road for Bret Hart. Bret Hart's kind of in that place that Shawn Michaels was in, you know, come February, where he's the champ, but he doesn't feel like the champ because you have Undertaker and Shawn Michaels stealing the show. You have Stone Cold out here doing his thing. So it's a transitional time, but you have Bret Hart's contracts coming up. We'll go into the screw, screw job in detail, but how big of a deal was this for, like, just this edgy content that we're getting put out and then whether it was real or not, it's put into the storyline that they this wasn't supposed to happen. The Montreal screw job. If anybody's not seen it, Bret Hart refused to drop the title on his home turf because he had a contract clause that he could do it his way. Turns out they go into business for pretty much WWF. Vince makes the call to make it basically him tap out to the sharpshooter by Shawn Michaels, right. one of his most hated rivals and now this is the way you're kind of getting shooed out of the WWF by this guy who's hitting it hard? Like, he's on top now. And you're getting phased out. Like, is this not just feel dirty?
1: Uh, it, Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if, if something happened anywhere remotely close to this today, I think it would be a much, much... Uh, a bigger deal and much much bigger backlash and people like have twitter accounts now and you, you have access to social media and there's no telling when a talent's just gonna you know take out their phone and, and and go for it and tell their story and and that sort of thing but um yeah i think there's enough that's been documented and brought to light after all these years in hindsight that, uh, yeah, to your point, they just kind of went into business for themselves. Vince is like, nope, this is my company. You're not doing this with this title. This is how it's going to go. This is the way I want it to go. And uh, here's how it's going to happen. And I think the amount of people that just knew that that was going to happen, that circle itself was minute. Um, a lot of times today you'll hear that, you know, the script for raw is being changed like two hours or an hour before it goes onto the air and stuff like that. And it's just like, we don't have access uh, to that information, especially then. And I, I, I guess maybe the group is just bigger with what's going on behind the scenes in today's product. And you get a lot more leaks in this particular instance. I think it was like three maybe four people that knew just like literally no one knew not even Brett obviously by his reaction and what happens afterwards with him going and, you know, punching Vince in the face in the locker room and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, wild times, man. And I think it's just, again, we, we talk about the differences between what is this? 97, 98. Yeah. Uh, whatever that, whatever that is and the, and the difference to today and just how things are handled is just so, so vastly different. So, uh, Yeah. Interesting stuff, man.
0: And I think a part of why I remember so much of this is I was ordering every pay per view as a kid. If I made the grades, the parent teacher conferences went the gotcha, way they were. Supposed gotcha. to go, I'm watching this one. I remember waiting in the hall for WrestleMania 14, where you have Stone Cold, Tyson, and Sean. Praying my teacher didn't badmouth me my <laughs> because I was like, this is, I'm on the clock, man. This is a. Friday before Mania, what what's going on? What what are we doing? Um, but yeah, so so Brett's out of here. Make Sean's character to me it's even stronger. Obviously, R- or Vince starts creating his character. You see Rock kind of coming up. So this is kind of the perfect storm of what's going to happen down the road as these characters being built. But you see Shamrock and Sean kind of face. It's kind of a placeholder till you get to the Rumble, which is Sean Michaels. It's Undertaker. It's a casket match. This is a big deal. Sean's red hot. Coming off that, he's got Triple H in his back pocket, the new European champion, because of their antics. Have you ever seen anybody just lay down and give their title to their buddy? Remember old Sergeant Slaughter saying, you know, this is Christmas. Sean, you have to defend the title against Triple H. As a kid, I'm like, oh, shit.
1: Like, right, right, weird. right. Yeah, outside of the uh, the finger poke of doom. I don't remember a whole lot of uh, instances of that happening.
0: And this was before. This is... Right, right, see yeah. Seeing right. two two buddies face each other doesn't happen in, in wrestling, really. You don't see, you know, two heels facing each other for a title. And that's what happened. And then you see kind of, like you said, a finger poke of doom. Penn, Triple H is your Euro- European champion. Why not? Sean doesn't need that. He's the world
1: sure. title. No, not at all. Yeah
0: but uh, just more antics, more, you know, against the establishment, just great DX early days. So let's lead it in, man. We're at the Rumble. We've seen two matches with Shawn and Taker. They've been nothing but great. We add a casket to the thing. First week of Raw, I think you have Triple H in the casket. You know, Shawn comes out acting like it's funny stuff, gives them a password, break it down. Of course, DX pops out the next week. Same kind of thing, but it's The Undertaker. Kind of sets the stage for this Rumble match, which is kind of a trilogy, of, tri- probably his best trilogy of matches. Then like what you, you spoke on WrestleMania 25. 25. You go back, and, yeah, you how go many years is that later? And they're still
1: doing the same thing. Like It's like 10, man. It's like a full decade later, at least. I mean, you got 25 and then you have the rematch at yeah. 26. And I mean, it's just like... You know, for, for for as good as the feud was with, uh, with, with Shawn and Bret, the feud with Shawn and Taker may go down as just like straight up the best feud in wrestling period. It's incredible.
0: Well, and that's what's crazy. Nobody remembers these early days. We kind of remember the cage spot and The Undertaker, but we remember the old days, and these matches were probably just as good. They were just ahead of their
1: time. Yeah, so that get- could, yeah, that could e- that could easily be the case. And, I mean, it, to your point, right? Like I like I said at the beginning, I was like, you know, <laughs> where does this fall timeline-wise? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere close, you know? Uh, and, again, it just speaks to the longevity and the greatness of, of, of both of them, really, between uh, Taker and Sean.
0: It's crazy. They might be the one to, like, when you would go to, like, a WWF mountain, they have to be at the top of the, because you've had other people go elsewhere. Undertaker and Sean... Have been WWF through and through.
1: Yeah, it's man, that's that's we could sit here and do a whole show on, you know, who should who should crack the uh the Mount Rushmore of of WWF, and I I don't know how you leave off Shawn and Taker.
0: Crazy. So we get the Rumble match. This is more kind of building your interwining your Kane Undertaker storyline for Mania. At the same process, you're getting Stone Cold win the Rumble. This is kind of the groundswell. Stone Cold is getting prepped for his world title run. So you see Shawn Michaels, he's supposed to face Stone Cold at Mania. This just feels like money. And then you've got the Taker Undertaker storyline, another Mania match, ground. So it's great right now. But then you get that devastating back injury. There's a part in the match where Shawn Michaels gets flipped over the top rope. And it doesn't even look that bad. It looks like he clips his lower back, kind of his butt area, tailbone, maybe on the side of the casket, like where it kind of opens and closes and going back and watching it. It doesn't look like a devastating injury to those watching, but this, this left Shawn Michaels, like in a whole new level of pain.
1: Yeah. It's uh, the back is scary stuff, man. You take something, you know, to the shoulder, you tear an ACL, uh, you know, you tear some ligaments wherever and it's like, okay, like that sucks. And I'm sure it hurts, but you can come back uh, there's a couple of areas, though, specifically when you're talking about, you know, wrestling performers that you just kind of don't uh, want to mess with or have something happen to. Uh, the neck and the head, obviously, is is probably first and foremost, but I think the back is probably right next to that because how else are you going to take a bump? You know, like you gotta be you gotta be able to hit your back, um, and so yeah i mean that's that's just scary when you start talking about too like everything that it's connected to and everything that the back kind of triggers and so to your point didn't look bad he's probably running off adrenaline right in this match to kind of finish up or whatever uh you know when you come to find out how bad it was but yeah scary scary times man when you start talking about your back and wrestling
0: so we we get the back injury we kind of know what's on the docket we don't have no as a wrestling fan, you don't know that Shawn Michaels is done after Mania. Especially right, right. In the you just you don't even know his back's hurt. That's what's crazy about this. At least me as a child, I'm thinking, you know, we're bringing Tyson into the occasion. You have Vince kind of molding his clay where he's kind of more than just an announcer, telling Stone Cold, "You ruined it, damn it, you ruined it." So much going on, but we get Tyson. He's he's at the Rumble next night. He comes out. Sean pulls off the shirt. He's wearing DX colors, man. Is there not a bigger celebrity moment? I can't think of one that just, had this to me, this defined, like, dude, 98, you've got Mike Tyson, the world's baddest man. yeah, Just came off of eating somebody's ear. And you have him at Mania with two headliners, like DX and Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much bigger or if at all uh then it gets than Mike Tyson especially at that time frame I mean that just that works so damn well I mean obviously you can kind of point to (laughs) Dennis Rodman leaving the the Bulls in the middle of their championship run to go be a part of WCW and that was a big deal at the time as well and then you have celebrities pop in and pop out uh here and there but Tyson you know, we 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 did that stable draft a number of months ago, and I was like, I, I want Tyson as my you know Absolutely. enforcer. I mean, he's just a real life, believable badass. And then you have him in this situation with, uh, you know, the pinnacle of of, of what's going on in your in your company. I mean, it was just, uh, man, we're right place, right time. Everything about that worked for me.
0: Also, another WrestleMania match we have covered in our art chives the wrestling mat podcast make sure you check it out subscribe leave a rating review but you get this kind of climax at wrestlemania you get Shawn michaels you kind of see this backstage presence something they didn't really do a lot at the time where it shows them knocking on the door of the locker room Shawn michaels is warming up walk into the stage you see dx cover band or dx band playing live this is a big freaking moment he, he waves, tells Triple H, China, I got it. So this is a big match. Same with the iconic Stone Cold walking down the hall. I don't think anything's been played as much as that. Just such a big moment, man.
1: Right, right. And I think another thing that, that works in the into this element, and with Tyson specifically, just to go back to that for just a moment, they didn't ask Mike Tyson to do something that he wasn't gonna be good at they just left him to be a legitimate badass they didn't go say hey go go like try to hit this Canadian destroyer you know on, on Stone Cold or something like that they didn't ask him to do anything off of the top rope it's like nope just stand there be a badass maybe punch somebody uh, that sort of thing so that's why that worked but yeah uh, you know Sean waving him off and then Stone Cold coming down the hallway like that again you know, you look back and how simple that is, and Stone Cold walking down the hallway. But man, does it work? And that's kind of where I, you know, I was relating back to today's WWE, and looks like, hey, you're trying to do a little bit too much. skeleton you have a dude walking out in black trunks and black boots with a black vest, and you're just showing him walking down the hallway and how well that works. It's like it. Sometimes it's just that simple, man. Big match
0: feel, man. That's what it felt like. We're in the main event of WrestleMania. And they deliver, you have them go outside, they fight on the stage, they fight by the the band, everything and anything, and then everybody remembers the super kick, spins them around, you get the stunner. This is the start of the Stone Cold era. And it doesn't just end there, man. You get Shawn Michaels, confused, doesn't understand why Tyson made the count. Just one of those more iconic moments where he goes to swing on Tyson and Tyson knocks him out. And I've never seen that just shows you how good of a seller Shawn Michaels is the way he falls. Right. right. It just sells that like, this is Mike Tyson. He just knocked me the truck out.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's so that's, that's kind of the, um, the one, I think probably the best parallel between Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair in terms of whoever they're in the ring with, they're also going to make them look like a million bucks because the better you make that person look, the better your whole storyline works right. And so not that not that anybody believes that Tyson couldn't have knocked out Shawn Michaels, uh, but the sell obviously just makes it work that much more.
0: Well, and I think that's the important part is Shawn's like literally dealing with a back injury. He's he's wrestled other opponents in 96 that aren't on his level but no matter what, even when he's the champ or not the champ, he goes into that ring kind of like Ric Flair, and he just performs his ass off to the point that you're never going to see a bad Ric Flair match. You're never going right. to see a bad Shawn Michaels match.
1: Yeah, no, I I would wholeheartedly agree, and um, it it just like it sounds so simple in in the in the prospect that like you know if you have that give and take for whoever your dance partner is in the ring at that point, you would think the whole thing, the ebbs and flows would just go much better and much smoother. But, um, those two do it better than, than anybody else I can think of off the top of my head.
0: Absolutely. And you look at his opponents, diesel, Sid, Vader, different guys in this time frame. Ken Shamrock, you could even say, aren't the most, you know, well-seasoned wrestlers, bell to bell. And yet he makes it believable. He works his ass off to right. the point that you think these other guys have a chance. Right. They, they don't look as sloppy, as clunky as they are with, say, a uh, British Bulldog or somebody else.
1: Well, and I think that's part of, too, uh, just being able to tell the stories and like understanding where the strengths are and going back to Mike Tyson. It's like, okay, you're not going to ask Tyson to jump off the top rope because that's not what you need Mike Tyson to do. Uh, you know, same thing with. Uh, with Sid or Vader, whoever the case may be, there's just like, there's certain things you don't need them to do. Don't make them try to go do it. Let them be good at what they're good at.
0: It's just crazy to look back. 96 through 98, we just covered the icon, the showstopper, the main event, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Looking back at it, Matt, we just covered an hour of HPK 96, 98. Kind of give me a. Uh, last closing thoughts on this little run we had with Shawn michaels
1: yeah i mean i'm I'm glad that we did it i'm glad that we went into this time frame and into this era i'm you know uh you know notably and you've heard me made many a reference throughout the show that i'm much more uh uh, in tune i guess with uh with a little bit more current product but it is good to go back and see where these things happen and again you know i brought up uh T- taker and sean at, at 25 and 26 and just how incredible those matches were and i was in uh i was in chattanooga tennessee uh when sean made like the very first uh challenge to undertaker for wrestlemania and and you know that 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 moment felt huge um and obviously taker i think turned him down uh, on, on his first response, he's just like, no, it's not, you know, it's not happening. And you think about how far away and how far removed that moment is from the, all the moments that we just discussed. And it's like, man, you, you just have to, how, how good do you have to be to be in the ring for that long to be, count, uh, you know, calling out for that caliber of match. Taker at WrestleMania, it doesn't get bigger than Taker at WrestleMania. So, uh, it's it, it's really, really cool to see the career arc and the path that kind of got laid out there uh, for Shawn Michaels.
0: Well, what's crazy is this is like probably the time frame. This is Shawn Michaels' peak. I would say he's probably in his best as a performer in ring and out of the ring. Just his personality, things like that. And then you said WrestleMania 25.
1: 25
0: literally took what a three four year hiatus yeah dealing with personal problems his back and he comes back and he's still the best wrestler other than a few in the business at the time
1: yeah no it's 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 crazy that's that's another thing not only like even if he would have stayed in the whole time right like that part is crazy too but then to have the three or four year layoff and come back is that good i mean that's that's probably almost more insane yeah.
0: But, uh, man, Matt, dude, I know you're busy. You just moved to Carolina. Got a lot going on. I'm sure you're happy to be home. A little bit more. Let's talk about what, you, where else they can find you. You do a lot of other great content.
1: Oh, man, every Tuesday, every Friday, it's myself, Clayton Stonebrenner, who we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Running the Pick is in Fantasy Football Podcast. So it, we are in primetime. Fantasy Football season Tuesdays are all about you know uh we have a segment called burners burners and we're just kind of doing a temperature check on on players that are either overperforming or underperforming um and then on Fridays it's just all about uh DFS so if you're able to play DFS uh we're giving out that content every single Friday and we'd love to have you come join us we're giving out uh giving away actually an autographed DeAndre Swift jersey which is going to be given away at the end of October so you can check us out over on twitter at the pick is in ffb plenty of ways to get entered and uh win yourself a cool sweet little uh deandre swift jersey man
0: check it out the pick is in podcast anywhere podcasts are found that matt kelly on social media i am the maddie daddy ff all over the place my boy guys we're out of here another good wrestling mat podcast till next week it has been a pleasure my treasure Bye.